0: Ministry Mentorship, Episode 13. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministries. In this episode, we're going to be talking with church planner Court Chavis. Brother Chavis is a well-known evangelist, singer, musician, worship leader, and preacher. And I know you're going to be blessed as you hear the story of his journey into ministry and also his passion to help young people connect with their calling and apostolic leaders. Let's join the conversation now. Uh, we're here today with Brother Court Chavis and he and his wife, Amanda have been married for 13 years. They have three children, and he's currently starting a church in Atlanta area, Loganville. And so we're, we're just honored to have you today. Thank you for joining us. Now, tell us, what is your story?
1: You know, raised in a pastor's home um, when I was very young, my father went to help my grandfather, my mom's dad. I went to help my grandfather at a church in Spring Lake, North Carolina. I was probably two or three years old. And then he became the pastor of that church. So at a very young age, you know, I was involved in, in church stuff and church ministry. When I was 14 years old, I began to lead worship in, my, in our youth services. And then our the, the man who led the worship at our church on a normal basis, he moved for job reasons. And so I started leading worship in the main service around 15. And by the age of 16, I was, you know, the full-time music director uh, there at the church, I was, you know, the, the choir director, I led all the worship. And so I started ministry at a very, very young age. Um, when I was, you know, in my late teens, just like many, many young men, you know, go through, you know, just a stage of rebellious and just, uh, you know, craziness. And I went through that. And then when I came out of, out of that, you know, I really gave my life to the Lord and really consecrated myself to the Lord. And, uh, got married and I started evangelizing, um, when I was, uh, just, a, just around the age of 26, I began to evangelize full-time and I just ended that, you know, part of my life by, you know, starting a church in the Atlanta area. And, um, so I, I did a full-time evangelist thing for, for quite a while, really enjoyed it. And God, um, has really, uh, shown himself strong in my ministry and, and uh I, I love ministry. I love, you know, preaching to young people, te- teaching. I love doing music, you know, choir clinics, music conferences. It's a passion and God's called me to do it and gifted me to do it.
0: Now, I've heard you talk about that initial calling or that initial feeling that you had for ministry and then how uh, there was a time of of growth. How did that that transition time from when you first felt the call to preach or the call to be in ministry, however you describe that, and then when you actually went full-time or went, talk about that transitional time.
1: Well, God called me to preach at a very young age. I was nine years old praying in the altar in my home church, and I felt like God had called me, and so I, I prayed. I, it, was, it was kind of humorous. I prayed. I said, Lord, if you want me to be a preacher, you know, let somebody confirm it to me. You know, let somebody talk to me. Just a nine-year-old kid. And a man in our church came and knelt down beside me began to pray with me. And he, he said, court, God has called you to preach and you are going to, you know, affect thousands. And so after he was done praying and got up, uh, you know, just as serious as a heart attack, I prayed, Lord, if this is true, could you send someone else? You know? And I, it just kind of, uh, I I don't know if I didn't really want to receive it. or I just had this image in my head of, you know, that I I didn't really want to do what my dad did. You know, I just kind of had that feeling. And, uh, and he did, you know, just a few minutes later another gentleman came and prayed for me and said almost the exact same words. So at a very young age I knew that I was called to ministry. And I ran from it a lot in my teenage years. And but when I got married and I had really given my whole life to God, just really consecrated and committed my whole life to God. I felt the call to evangelize and it was it started off very small and just in my spirit, I told my wife, we prayed, we fasted about it. I told my father, my pastor, and he said, you know, let's pray about it. And then one Sunday in the service, uh, Johnny Garrison was preaching at our church, prophet of God. And he, um, while he was preaching, God spoke to me, go. And brother Garrison stopped preaching, came over to me in a Sunday morning in front of the whole church and said, I heard what God said to you. Um, he told you to go. And I heard it. It was just a strong confirmation from the Lord, and He laid hands on me and prayed for me, of course. And the Holy Ghost was there, and it was just an amazing time in my life. Um, You know, kind of one of those moments that just defines you as a person. Well, you know, my father, my pastor, um, he didn't feel like it was time, and so for six years, you know, I sat in his church. And I'll be honest with you, I had bitter times, had times of not understanding what was going on. But he was, you know, he's my pastor, so I was submitted to his his authority. But when the time came to evangelize and, it, and he felt it, he sent me and he he made, you know, phone calls for me and sent emails to his friends. And when I began to evangelize, I've never looked back. I never, I've never wanted for a service or, you know, di- didn't know what God was doing. I was always busy. And God uh, really took my ministry to a very high level in uh, reaching young people, preaching the gospel. Many have received the Holy Ghost under me in my family's ministry, and um, really, I, I really attribute it to the six years where I was obedient. That God honored that time. God honored that uh, that young man who was ready to go, just ripping and roaring, ready to go. He honored that time in my life when I honored my father and was able to just sit and submit.
0: That and you you talked about how that may have even caused bitterness, that is a very difficult time that I call it sometimes the mountaintop experience where you see what God wants, you see the peaks, the things that are going to happen, evangelizing or pastoring or whatever, but then you look sideways and there may be who knows how long between that. Right. But the key, I think a lot of times you talked about this is even if you are dealing with bitterness or dealing with that struggle inside of you, that's normal. but you have to stay submitted.
1: One of the greatest moments in the Bible for me is when Hannah, the Bible says that Hannah was barren because God had, you know, God had caused her to be barren. And um, it was just a time in her life when there was just a a barren place. The Bible says that she went to the house of the Lord and it's very emphatic as it says that Hannah was bitter in her spirit and she prayed. So it just lets me know that, you know, it's okay to be bitter as long as you're praying. You know it's you know we we preach against bitterness and I know that bitterness of spirit is definitely something that the devil will use to get get in your heart your mind and derail you deter you but sometimes as a human being you're just bitter things don't don't go like you want them to go but Hannah taught us a great lesson that even in bitterness keep praying keep seeking God because sometimes a bitter prayer will reap a great miracle if you just hey God I'm bitter I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied where I am, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to close my mouth and not talk to you and pray. And in the six years that I was set under my father's ministry and knew that I'd called, and like you said, seeing the panorama view of what God was going to do in my life, but still being in that one spot, um, I can truly say that even though I did have times of bitterness, I never stopped praying. I never stopped seeking God, and I think that is the key. That is the key to it right there be bitter but pray
0: absolutely now you talked a little bit about worship and and leading worship let's let's talk a little bit about that uh, why is that such an important part of our life and what kind of advice can you give us on keeping worship at the forefront of our lives
1: you know, worship for me um, is has been its such a huge part of my life um, really worship worship really got me to where i am today being a worshiper I've always loved worshiping the Lord and trying really hard to be a true worshiper, trying very hard to let God know that my motives are right. My spirit is right. I'm here to worship you and worship in my everyday life. has been for me a, a mandatory deal in my life to, to worship God every day and really to worship God without a microphone. Cause a lot of people are good at worshiping God when they're on the stage, have the microphone you know, it's easy for them to worship in that setting. But, you know, what are you doing alone? You know, the Bible says that David, you know, wrote songs to the Lord when he was a shepherd and he he was a private worshiper. and But his private praise, you know, equaled public power. When he got in front of the people, he had so much power. But it started to develop this private worship, private praise. And I've always been a huge advocate of worshiping the Lord. And when I first got married and I was really... In the early time of my life, I just come really started getting back with the Lord and come off that crazy rebellious stage in my life. And um, I remember one day driving in the road listening to some music that was not Christian. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and telling me that he was jealous of that. And uh, it really floored me. And so um, probably now for the last, I would say, 12 years of my life, I've had a covenant with God that I would not listen to worldly music. It's a covenant that I made with God personal conviction and a covenant. I do not listen to worldly music. I will not listen to worldly music. It's not a part of my daily diet. Uh, I listen to gospel music, Christian music, songs that uplift the Lord. And I'm even I'm even very uh, particular about the Christian music that I listen to. Make sure that the doctrine is right in the song. Make sure that um, that the spirit is right in the song. Because worship is a huge part of our everyday life. And we are worshiping sometimes even when we don't know we're worshiping. You know, you can worship you know, and just be totally oblivious to the fact that you're worshiping. So guard yourself, guard your mind, guard what you listen to, guard what you watch and guard your time of worship with the Lord.
0: You know, you've, you've preached pretty passionately about maintaining our apostolic identity as young people in, in the culture and the world that we live in. Talk a little bit about that and, and your passion for seeing young people stay true to their apostolic core beliefs.
1: Yes, uh, it's something I'm very passionate about. I have witnessed many of my friends um, step back from what they believe and what they've been taught their whole life, and I'm not. I'm not saying that you know there's not questions, and and you know I, it's it's fine to have questions. It's fine to question, but you know when you do have questions, you need to go to authority in your life and ask those questions. Don't go to your buddies, or your friends, or your pals, because you're not going to get straight answers there. You're going to get answers that tickle your ear and, you know, make you feel like you're right in your belief system. Um, And so I personally went through that time in my life when I had questions about our doctrine, our belief system. Is it right? Is it true? Is it, you know, are we on the right path here? And I, you know, I went to my grandfather who is a, you know, who was a, I lost him three years ago, but he was a mighty man in the word of God. I trusted his words and um, he helped me a lot. And I myself became a student of the Word of God, an advocate for the Word of God, and found those answers for myself. I didn't take it for granted that my father believed it or my grandfather believed it. And as young people, you know, we have to make up our mind now what we believe. You you can't wait till you're 30 and say, okay, I'm going to really get solid in what I believe. It's too late then. It's too late, you know, 14, 15, 13, you know, 16, 17. Dig in the word, dig, dig, find out what you believe. Read books by David Bernard, read books by David Norris, you know, read books by Raymond Woodward. Read these books that these men have written and put out for us to read and, and learn it, envelop yourself in it. You know, be a Bible quiz or get on your Bible quiz team. Uh, study the word, get it in your heart, memorize it. Because, you know, if you're 18 years old and you're just about to get out of high school and go into college, you're about to meet some very smart people they're very smart they're professors and they believe that the world started with a big bang they believe you came from an ape and they're going to be able to prove that to you in such you know unbelievable ways with such high intelligence level and if you're not solid in what you believe you will be you know confused and so i preach it strong i preach it i preach it hard and i'm not ashamed to because i believe that at the end of the day Like David said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And the best, the very best, and the very first line of defense against sin in your life is always going to be the word of God. And so keep true to it. Buy the truth. Sell it not. You know, the Bible said, for I have no greater pleasure than to know that my children walk in the truth. And so. If you're a young man listening right now, young lady listening right now, and you have questions in your heart and mind, I, I admonish you, go find an elder and say, elder, help me, study with me, pray with me, get in your word for yourself, you know, go home, lock yourself in your room and just read until you see it for yourself, get your own revelation and then no one can steal it from you.
0: Let's talk for a minute about what, how we should respond when we see someone that maybe is in a prominent place of authority or maybe that we see that is not adhering to the apostolic doctrines. You've talked a little bit about finding an elder, getting it for yourself. Is there anything else that we can do and keep in mind when we see people falling away from the truth or walking away from what they believe?
1: Yes. Really, one of the the hardest lessons that you're going to learn as a young minister is that men who you esteem high you're going to find out that they're just human that they're just men and they're not superhumans and they're not superman but they're just men who can be confused who can be wrong and you and that's going to be hard to find out um I know that in the life of David in the in the scriptures I know it was hard for David to just you know get his mind around the fact that Saul was just a man and even though he was his king and he loved him even loved him unto death uh, he, but he was He he, that was a hard time in his life, in his ministry. And it's been a hard time for me in my life seeing men that I love and men that I esteem highly who preach messages that changed my life, preach my youth camp, you know, preach messages that put me in the floor to see those men make mistakes, fall away from the truth, give up on it. But when you have it for yourself and it's yours, it's no one's else, then no one else can take it from you. That's why I preach so hard find it for yourself, know it for yourself because people are going to fall away. You're going to have elders. You're going to have men who you love and respect and, and, and just, you know, even almost, you know, desire to be in their positions. And all of a sudden they just fall from grace or just fall from the truth or make a moral mistake. You know, that's hard moments in a young minister's life when you see that happen. And even now, I mean, I'm 34, have a family, and I'm well-established as a minister. But in the last six months, I've had to fall on my knees and say, God, why are these men falling away so easily like flies? And But I'm, I'm sure of what I believe. And so even though it is tough, even though it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to give up on it just because my friends give up on it. I'm not going to walk away from it just because my friends walk away from it or men that I, you know, admire walk away from it if you have it in your heart and it's yours then you realize that they're just men they are they make mistakes they can be wrong they're confused just like anybody else and the quicker you realize that as a young minister the better it's going to be for you I'm not saying to disrespect or anything like that what i'm saying is just realize that God has entrusted men to carry this gospel and at the end of the day that's all they are is men they're just men just like you and me
0: who are some of the people that have made the greatest impact in your life?
1: Well, to uh, to just start kind of close, you know, my father. Um, you know, my father is a sharecropper son. You know, he he worked in a tobacco field his whole life. He'd come from nothing. My dad came from nothing, you know. Uh, you know, abject poverty would be a small word to speak about his upbringing. But he has made himself into such an amazing man, and he's, a, he's a, my hero to see where he came from to where he is today. Uh, Jeff Chavis is an amazing person, and he's taught me so much. And also my grandfather, my grandfather won my father to the Lord. My mom's dad, he won my father. My father was just a teenager, you know, rocker, you know, long-haired hippie. And my grandfather found him and won him to the Lord and my grandfather was my best friend growing up he was my buddy my pal he was the best man in my wedding and we were very close and <clears throat> he was a rock to me he just he was a student of the word and he, he was always just a, a rock in my life and um but outside of that outside of my family you know i grew up in north carolina so men like johnny godair men like wayne huntley you know man they 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 rocked my world as a kid you know uh, Jerry Jones, you know, Amnon had a friend. Oh, my God, you know, that, that those messages, you you can't get them out of your spirit. They always speak to you. You listen to them over and over and over again. Heroes of the faith, in my view. Um, before he passed away, I was a privilege to get close to Kenneth Haney. And um, the words that he's spoken to my life can never be replaced. It just uh, – I've had the privilege of sitting in an office with J.J. Bourne and having him just tell me, you know, testimonies after testimonies after testimonies. I've had the privilege to sit alone with Merle Ewing and have him speak into my life. You know, Lee King has laid hands on me, um, prayed for me, and he believes in me. Um, men like Greg Godwin that have always been in my corner, always believed in my ministry. Men like Jack Cunningham who preached me when I was a nothing and a nobody who allowed me to come to speak in his church. Men like David Bernard. Whose books have changed my life, solidified my belief system, and now is you know a visionary in my life, a leader of my movement, and men like that, you know, that you that you just believe in, and even on, uh, on even on a peer level, uh, just it's a peer level. Men like Luke Levine, you know, Omar Jolly, my brother Brock Chavis, who's in my top five preachers, uh, you know, always always been a great example in my life. Um, these men are amazing to me, and I, I look up to all of those men, and and their example in my life is is great, and I appreciate them. But and I, and I said a lot of men there, but my grandmother, Valida Wilt, uh, is a prayer warrior extraordinaire, and has always prayed for me. And my mom, my mom is a great minister of the gospel. Uh, she's a cut up, she's a hoot, uh, but she's always had. Great words of encouragement for me, and my mom has always been my biggest fan. She's always believed in me when nobody else believed in me. She thought I was just the stuff, and uh, nobody's a bigger fan of Court Chavis than Wanda Chavis, and I appreciate that in her in my life. And so, you know, if you're if you're a young minister out there, and you're and you're listening to this today, and you're thinking of men in your life who you respect and honor, if those men are still alive, tell them now. Send them an email. You know, tell them on Facebook hit them up on Twitter, S- write them a letter, and let them know, Hey, I'm a young man, 16, 17, and you have changed my life with your messages. Let them know that. Cause I know as a, I know as a minister, sometimes you get tired, you get, you know, you get distracted, sidetracked. And when somebody just calls you or sends you a message on uh, some social media and tells you, Hey, you've changed my life with a message or a song, man, it just, and ma- it makes everything worthwhile. All the, you know, the struggle and the, the travel and this makes it all worthwhile. So, um, heroes of the faith, you know, grab onto them, hold to them, love them.
0: You know, I think there's a couple ways that we can do that. You know, you've talked a little bit about your relationship with some of these men, but you've also talked about how you've interacted via their books, uh, maybe right. even sermons that you've listened to. You know, so there may be some young person right now that's saying, well, you know, I, I live out here in the boondocks, you know, I really don't Get out to a lot of places. My church doesn't go to a lot of things, but there are resources. There are things available through yes. books, through media, through uh, listening to sermons online. If you search some of these men, you can find their sermons online. And it's and there's some great resources out there. Yes, talk a little bit about how how do we develop that? Maybe maybe there's somebody that you know we say you know I'd really like to to connect with that person. How do we find I don't know, what kind of inroad do we take to find those connections?
1: Right. Um, you know, a lot of these men um, that I mentioned and men that you know right now, you know, that are preaching and are, that are very, um, uh, I guess the word would be popular. i just use that word, you know, n- not as a carnal way, but you know, they, are, they, they are, they're popular. Um, a lot of those men would love to speak into your life, would love to, you know, get to know you, would love to send you a message every once in a while. Most of them are busy men, so it's not like something they're going to call you every week or something like that. But really, if they don't know, there's no way for them to ever contact you or get a hold of you or even speak into your life. But, you know, if you're at a conference somewhere and you see Wayne Huntley, and he's very approachable. I've known him my whole life. He's a very open, very approachable man. You see guys like Jimmy Tony, man. Jimmy has sitting, and talked to you for 30 minutes. He don't even know you. But he's just very open, very approachable. Um, And these men will speak into your life. It's it's always good to, you know, approach a, a man like that and just say, hey, I admire your ministry. You've changed my life with your messages. Those men will speak to you. I know them. They're friends of mine. They're not closed off. They're not, you know, I know sometimes when you're a young minister, like someone who may be listening right now, and you're in the crowd and you're looking up on the stage, you think, man, they're a million miles away from me, you know. They're such huge superstars, and you know, there's just there's no way, man. That's that's a facade. It, it really is. It's, it's it's not true. Those men on that stage, even myself, man, we're so approachable. Just come talk to us. Yeah, you know, don't be afraid. Send me a message on Facebook. You know, send me a message on Twitter. You know, I'll respond, I, and these men will respond if they're if they on if they're on social media. I know they will. Um, they're great men of God. I think sometimes, you know, when you're a young minister and you have these heroes that you look up to, it, it, it sometimes it is hard to kind of you know say, Man, I just want to go talk to them. I wanna send them a message or whatever. But you know, my my advice to you is just do it. Don't be afraid of it. They will greet you with open arms, they will talk to you. I know I have I have a soft spot in my heart for young ministers. And if I if a young man comes to me and says, Hey, Brother Chavis, I you know, I feel the call to preach in my life. I'm, you know, 16 years old. I have a call to preach and, you know, I just, you know, what do I do? I'll make people wait to talk to you. I will, I'll I'll stand in the hallway at general conference for 30 minutes and talk to you because men did that for me. Men took time for me. And when I was a a nobody, you know, and didn't have, you know, all the, the, the pedigree that went along with the whole Pentecostal movement type deal, um, it really just in my mind just that nobody you know men stopped and talked and encouraged me and said you can do it keep praying keep fasting keep reading keep preaching go 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 and that those moments changed my life so if you are a young minister out there listening right now uh, my advice to you is just just contact them in any way you can face to face on social media send a letter and I guarantee you all of the men that I've mentioned will reach out to you
0: amen, and that's so true and and I think in this in this day and age that we live uh we need we need everybody to be involved, and there's going to come a day when when title is not going to mean as much, position is not going to mean as much, and we're all going to be we are working together if we have a call on our lives, if we feel like God is leading us to do something, we're all in this thing together there's no there's no big eyes little use what's something that just in closing what is something that you would like to leave with a young person that says, you know, Brother Chavis, I I want to be involved in ministry. Uh, What's the step? How do they get started? What would you tell them? I would tell them to study
1: the life of David. David is anointed in front of his brothers in, I believe it's the 11th chapter of the first book of Samuel. David is anointed in front of his brothers, and he's anointed to be king. But David doesn't know he's anointed to be king. You cannot see where Samuel told David, David, you're the next king of Israel. So David's anointed. He knows he's anointed. He feels the anointing. It's on him. It's, you know, it's in between his toes. I mean, it's anointing oil everywhere. But David doesn't go take the throne on day two. David goes out and continues to do what the father has already asked him to do. Watch my sheep. And it's, you know, it's thankless. There's no name badge involved. There's no office. (laughs) There's no position involved in that. And you just continue to do what you know is right. And you say, well, Brother Chavis, what is that? You know, you don't need somebody to prophesy to you to tell you that you're called to pray. You don't need me to lay hands on you and say, I feel in the Holy Ghost, you're called to read your Bible. Those are things that you already know to do. Pray, study the word, fast, and evangelize. Those four things right there are going to propel you into ministry because even though you think nobody's watching, even though you think, hey, I'm out here alone with the sheep and nobody even cares about what I'm doing right now, God takes good notes. And all of David's private battles, you know, he fought the lion when he watched the sheep. He fought the bear when he watched the sheep. And it was the lion and the bear that gave him confidence to fight Goliath. He told Saul, Saul. You know, I killed a lion, I killed a bear, and the same God that delivered me from the paw of the bear, the mouth of the lion, is going to deliver me from this Philistine. It was a testimony of what he did when nobody was watching. But the truth is, if you follow that scripture in that chapter of David's anointing, when Saul was vexed with the devil, the Bible says that they said, you know, let us find a man who can play for you. And when he plays, the spirits will flee. And Saul said, you know, is there such a man in Israel? And the Bible says that one of Saul's servants, the Bible doesn't even give this man a name. One of Saul's servants says this. He says, I have seen a man. He is a son of Jesse. He is a mighty man of valor. He is of good reputation. He is skilled in the instruments. And it just leads me to believe that you never know who's watching you. Young man, young lady, young minister. God takes good notes. And you, you you don't know who's watching your dedication and your consecration. But in the in the life of David, when David thought he was all by himself out there alone, it wasn't true. A servant of the king was watching him the whole time. And young man, young lady, you know, right now, God's watching you. He's watching your what you do in the morning when you get up. Are you praying? Are you seeking him? He's watching you every day. Do you spend more time on Facebook and Twitter than you do in the word? Do you do you spend more time with your buddies and your friends playing games than you do seeking the face of God? What where's your time at? Where is your efforts at? You may not have a badge right now, you may not have a pulpit ministry right now, but are you praying? You know, if God can't trust you at ten minutes a day, you think he's gonna trust you in the pulpit? And if God can't trust you to teach a Bible study, you think he's gonna let you preach in a conference? You know, and you think about those things, be aware of those things. God, I wanna be used by you. But it's, not, it's more than that. I want to be have a relationship with you. And so that's my advice to every young man, every young lady right now listening to this ministry uh, moment, uh, this mentorship moment. You need to develop a private relationship with God. And when you do that and you get that settled, God will use you to do exploits. I believe that.
0: Amen. In closing, I wonder if you would just take a minute and just say a prayer over that young person that's listening to this right now that's, uh, that is feeling that tug in their life, that that pull of the Spirit, and they're just saying, God, you know, I want to be used by you. Uh, would you just pray over them right now?
1: Lord, we come before you right now knowing that you are a prayer-answering God, knowing that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or even think. I thank you, Lord, that you hear the prayers of righteous men. And I pray right now, Lord, for every young person that's listening to this, uh, this episode right now, God. I pray for every young man, every young lady that has desires in their hearts that are filling, the, filling your call, filling your, your leading and your pressing towards ministry. I pray that you would give them wisdom. I pray you would give them knowledge. God, I pray more than anything that you would give them courage, courage to be who you've called them to be. Courage to stand out in the crowd, courage to stand up for what they believe in, to not be ashamed of this gospel and this truth and this doctrine. I pray that you would give them gifts, God, and abilities that will help them build your kingdom. I pray right now in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Ghost that you would use them for the building of your kingdom, God. Take them, God. Mold them and shape them. Protect their minds. Cause your face to shine down upon them. Give them favor with God and man. Protect them. And prosper them in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. And Brother Chavis, thank you so much for joining us today, and we we just pray that God will bless your ministry and your efforts in Atlanta. Thank you. Is there any any way that um, our young people could get in touch with you via website or email?
1: Yes, of course. You know my name, Court Chavis. C O R T T C H A V I S. That's at Twitter. That's at Facebook, um, Instagram. It's uh, courtchavis.com. My um, church website is truth chapel.com. Truth chapel.com. We're in Loganville, Georgia. And uh, you can contact me any of those ways. Court Chavis at Gmail. Pretty much, if you know, if you can spell my name, then you can find me just about anywhere. Just type it in. And, uh, and I, you know, I respond to emails very well. I, re- I respond to Facebook posts and Twitter posts and stuff like that. And um, I'd love to speak into anybody's life that would allow me to encourage you, uh, pray for you. Um, I, I love that, I'm passionate about that. and uh, I believe in every one of you. I, I believe that God is going to use you. There's a great revival coming to this country, and God needs young men and young ladies that are going to stand up and stand out to use for that moment.
0: You've been listening to a ministry mentorship podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you will find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop your ministry. You can also leave us a comment, subscribe to our newsletter, make a donation, or connect on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening.